Well, good morning again. Today is week number four of our series that we're calling Mind Games. If you have a Bible, turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. We're going to spend a little bit of time there as well as a couple of other scriptures. Um, This series, if you haven't been with us, is simply a series by which we're um, fighting back against mindsets that hold us hostage from experiencing God's best for our lives. That there are mind games, that there are mental um, thoughts, there are processes that take place in our heads that hold us captive, that they paralyze us, they keep us from being who God wants us to be. And uh, the truth be told is uh, we at times are guilty of allowing our thoughts to control our actions. Um, And that's pretty natural. That's kind of the way God designed it, that we have thoughts first and then we act after those thoughts. But when the thoughts aren't healthy, the actions aren't healthy that follow. And so we're just saying in this series uh, that we're going to fight against those mindsets and we're going to uncover some truths in God's Word to help us uh, overcome those mindsets that aren't healthy. Uh, The verse that we've been looking at throughout this series is 2 Corinthians chapter number 10, verse 5. I want to read that again this morning. It simply says, in, in order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes. Um, that's a verse we looked at last week, and we talked about the fact that um, there are times where Satan tries to outwit us, to outscheme us. But Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians that, uh, that we're to take captive every thought and the pretension that rises up against the knowledge of God. In this series, what we've been saying is that uh, when Paul said the words that we take captive every thought, he wasn't talking about taking his own thoughts captive. We, we said in week one that it's great to have a filter in our minds, but Paul's not talking here about developing an extensive filter that every thought that comes into our mind, that we take it captive and we interview it and we make sure that it's got good motives and that it's healthy and then we allow that thought to form into actions. Rather, he's saying that there are um, thoughts that rise up against the knowledge of God. And if we're going to apply this verse to ourselves, what we basically have to do is say, God, I'm going to allow your word to have access to all of my thoughts. And if there's any thought in my mind, if there's any process that I'm allowing to dominate my life, then I want to allow your word to speak into those thoughts and to remove them, to take them captive, to allow me to be freed from those very thoughts. And so we've talked about fear, we've talked about insecurity, and today we're going to talk about worry. We're going to talk about worry. And and I know that some of us worry more than others. Uh, Some of us consider ourselves worriers. Uh, that we, um, I've even heard people say, you know, my grandmother was a worrier and my mom was a worrier and so I just inherited it, I'm a worrier. Um, but being a worrier is not um, necessarily something that you have to live with. That we can make choices to fight against mindsets that keep us from experiencing God's best and worry is a mindset that we have to battle against. It's a fight that takes place in our head and we have to allow ourselves to let God help overcome those mindsets, and we have to fight against it. So today, we're going to talk about what that looks like, and we're going to go to Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to read a passage of Scripture that's very, very clear on the topic of worry. But I want to talk to us just for a moment about uh, what worry is, what worry is. Um, Here's a statement that I wrote down. Worry is a distraction from the enemy, 
Okay? Worry doesn't come from God. It's a, it's a distraction from the enemy. It's an attempt. It's a scheme for him to outwit us, to, to remove us from God's best. It's a, it's a distraction from the enemy that keeps us from trusting God. It's meant to keep us from believing that God has our best in mind by convincing us that we're alone and that we have our own problems that he's left us with and they leave us with eyes on our circumstances rather than on Christ. Okay, so it's, it's a mindset, it's a mindset that convinces us that when we go through difficult situations that there are possibilities that negative things could happen. And worry causes us to focus on the negative possibilities and it convinces us that we're alone. That we've got to fix this, that we've got, to, we've got to deal with this by ourselves, that we have no hope of being rescued from this. And this mindset causes us to focus, rather than on Christ, on the negative situations and circumstances. And so if you're a worrier, you know that you're constantly thinking, if something bad can happen, what would it look like? And you're constantly thinking, oh no, I hope this doesn't happen. I hope this doesn't happen. Let me, let me kind of help you contextualize it a little bit. Any of you ever been driving somewhere and you're kind of on a time crunch and you need to get there so you don't have time to stop and get gas, but the closer you get to your destination, the more the reality sinks in that I may not make it. Like this thing's getting down past the E now and I thought that it would last long. You ever had that feeling to come over you like, I don't know if I'm going to make it, I don't know if I'm going to make it. And we tend to pray a little more than we normally do. Lord, if you'll just help me get there, I promise I'll you know, speak to someone nicely about you today. But let's, let's kind of take it a step further, okay? Let's imagine that you're driving to a destination and you're about 10 minutes late according to your GPS. It's a big meeting, great opportunity. You've got to be there. So you've got no time to stop and get gas, but you've got to travel through a city where there's race riots. And as you get into the midst of the city and you see people on the streets, maybe even fighting, you realize... I'm not going to make it. This thing is going to shut down on me. And in that moment, there is an overwhelming sense of panic that would come upon you that says, if this thing dies on me now, I'm going to be in trouble. I've got no hope, number one, of getting to where I'm supposed to be on time. I'm going to miss an opportunity that I should have. But my life may be in jeopardy. Look at what's going on around me. Worry causes us to focus on the what ifs. The truth is, in this moment, your car is driving. But all you can think about is, when is it going to stop? And instead of preparing your mind for an opportunity that you've got, for an interview that you've got, for this big meeting, all you can think about in that moment is, I'm going to die because my car is going to stop and there's race riots. This is not good. And you have in your life scenarios that are very similar where you constantly think, you toss around the possibilities of the negative outcomes. You look at circumstances, and instead of seeing what good can come from them, all you can think of is how this is going to negatively impact you, how this is going to be harmful to you, how this is going to make you look bad, how people are going to perceive you because this happened. You're constantly tossing and turning at night because all you can think about is, you know, what's going to happen? I don't know what's going to happen. And the truth is, is that we face situations in life where we're not in control, where we can't dictate the outcome perfectly, where we can't script our lives to every detail that we determine, and we have to learn to live with some negative 
outcomes, some negative circumstances. And if we allow ourselves to constantly think and meditate and ponder simply on the what ifs, the negative potential in our life, then we're going to be paralyzed to having joy and peace in this life. And I know many, many people who just say, I can't stop worrying about finances. I can't stop worrying about what's going to happen to my kids. I can't stop worrying if I'm going to be the next one to lose my job. I can't stop worrying about the report that I'm expecting in a couple of weeks from the doctor. I can't stop worrying about scenarios in life that are outside of your control. And the enemy wants to convince you that if you'll spend your time thinking through all of those possibilities, then you may can just get a grip on them and you may can just find a way to manipulate the outcome. But the truth is, is he's, he's scheming you. He's outwitting you. He's causing you to focus on things that may or may not even happen. When all the while there's a loving God, there's a heavenly father that's available for us to trust in to find hope in, to find comfort in, that no matter what happens, even if negativity comes our way, that we have a way to navigate those truths. So let's open God's Word. Let's see what it says on the topic of worry, and let's apply it to our lives. Matthew chapter number 6, starting in verse number 25. Therefore I tell you, this is Jesus' teaching uh, Sermon on the Mount on the hillside. He's, he's teaching for three chapters worth of material here. The words of Jesus to you and to me. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? That's a deep thought. It's a deep question. That's something that we need to wrestle with. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? Worrying does not work. It doesn't produce anything. It's a trap that sucks us in and holds us hostage. Verse number 28, And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow? They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? Listen to his words. O ye of little faith. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But... Rather than worrying about those external things, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble on its own. Now, if you're dealing with worry... You need to hear this morning from God's word. If Jesus were standing here physically in front of you, he would say to you, do not worry. Which makes worry what in your life? It makes it a sin. 
Has Jesus given you instruction? This is Jesus teaching you how to live your life. This is Jesus himself saying, I want to direct you in a path that's healthy for your life. And worry has no place in it. So if you worry this morning, I don't want you to sit back and just say, well, maybe I'll think about some, some ways that I can kind of change some of the way that I think. I want you to hear Jesus saying this morning, I want to free you from the worry. Because the worry is damaging to your life. The worry has no place. Nature gets this. Nature trusts God. Birds don't even store away. They don't worry about what they're going to eat because they trust that God's going to provide for them. Flowers in a field, they don't worry about what they're going to wear because they understand that, that God himself has designed them. Yet we, unlike some simple, natural examples, worry about basic things and it comes down to this is that I'm not sure that we fully trust in God at all times in our lives. Like when things are going good and we're heading in a direction that we feel like we're in control, it's easy to say we trust God then, right? But when you're getting phone calls and people are asking you tough questions and, and you may lose some things in this life and you're facing some bleak circumstances and, and you know that everyone around you is losing their job and, and you're at the same place, it's easy to kind of jump ship and stop saying, I trust God in those moments and start saying, I've got to find a way out of this. We don't ever think that sometimes God allows negative things to happen to us because he wants to teach us something or he wants to replace what we currently enjoy with something even better. We don't think about that. We don't trust God in difficult situations, but we've got to learn to overcome, to demolish this thought process of worry in our life. I read recently a, a statement made by a pastor named Jimmy Evans, and I want to read what he says here. He says, We worry when we have chronic concern or mentally dwell on a difficult or negative possibility. We have anxiety when we are uneasy about things that we can't control. These emotions share the same core and are just different levels of emotional intensity. The root of all chronic anxiety and worry is an orphan spirit. We have an orphan spirit when we don't understand how much God loves us, that he loves to be our father, and that he is taking care of us. And the central lie an orphan spirit tries to communicate is that we are on our own, and have to solve our own problems. But we can overcome worry and anxiety. We've got to consider worry and anxiety as agents the enemy uses to destroy our lives and to steal our joy. We don't have to accept worry and anxiety as normal or inevitable. They, in, they exist in our lives because we allow them to. Do you know that we allow damaging thoughts into our life and we could live free from it by not thinking that way, by changing our thoughts? Isn't it easy to say, okay, I understand I'm not supposed to worry. That's the easy part, right? It's actually not worrying that becomes difficult. How do I stop worrying because all I can see is what bad is about to come my way? 
How do I stop? I mean, I mean, my kids are just making terrible decisions, and I just know, I just know something bad's about to happen. I just know they're just hanging out with the wrong people. They're doing the wrong things. They're making unwise decisions. I wish that I could just control their lives. I wish that I could just shake them and help them understand the path that they're about to go down, but I can't. And so all I can think about is the negative that's about to come. We don't have to think that way. We don't have to allow ourselves to think that way. We don't have to think about the fact that our finances are just in shambles. We don't have to continually think, you know, how am I going to make things work? How am I going to fix the situation that I'm in currently? I don't have enough money to pay for all of my expenses, and there's this huge gap, and, and people are going to come start taking stuff from me, and I'm just, you know, I'm just one bad you know, job loss away from just losing everything. We don't have to think that way. We don't have to allow ourselves to go down that road and focus on the external. We don't have to ponder and meditate and be consumed by the negativity. And so I want to share with you um, really a, 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 simple, a simple statement. And I'm going to give you four things that this statement will do for your life that will help you overcome worry in your life, that will demolish this mindset, that will help you gain victory and, and forget the way you used to live your life, always in anxiousness, always with anxiety and with worry. And here's the statement. Turn every inclination to worry into a call to prayer. I think it's that simple. Turn every inclination to worry into a call to prayer. You say, I worry all the time, then you're going to have a great prayer life. You say, I just can't get this out of my head. Then, man, you and God are going to have some great talks about this situation. Because if you'll turn every inclination to worry, just when you think, man, I'm starting to focus on this negativity, instead of just dwelling on it and forgetting that you've got a Heavenly Father that loves you, you can just turn that and just say, God, my kids, I need help. My finances, please help. My health, I need you to come through. I want to turn this over to you. Every inclination that you have to worry is a call to prayer. And if you will pray every time you have an inclination to worry, then your circumstances will begin to be looked at differently. And your mindset will change. Because it's impossible to focus on a Heavenly Father that loves you, that cares for you, that's for you, and that has everything that you need in life to be successful. It's, it's difficult. It's impossible to focus on that and still allow the negativity that hasn't even happened yet to dominate your life. Because God far outweighs any possibility of the negative. Here's four things that an inclination to worry turning into a call to prayer will do for your life. Number one, it trains you to see worry for what it is. It trains you to see worry for what it is. It's an attack from the enemy to rob you of joy and peace. When you're inclined to worry, if you'll allow that to be a call to prayer, then you'll understand in that very moment, this isn't from God. He doesn't want me being consumed by these negative thoughts. This is the enemy 
trying to attack me. When I feel a need to worry, if I begin to pray, then I understand in that moment, the worry isn't from God. I'm speaking to God about helping me with the situation that could potentially go bad, but I understand that the mindset that I'm feeling a need to embrace is not coming from him, it's coming from the enemy. And it helps us to begin to resist the enemy, to keep him at an arm's distance, not to allow him to misdirect us from experiencing the peace that God wants to provide for you. There's hope for your life. Even when things seem hopeless, there's a God in heaven that has seen everything, that knows everything, and he is never surprised by anything that we go through. And we can run to him. We can talk to him. We can cry out to him. Even when we have a simple thought that something negative could happen, and we begin to just have an inclination to worry, we can begin to realize this is from the enemy. And as we begin to train ourselves more and more, this is from the enemy, then we'll be able to resist it more and more. I'm not thinking that way. I'm not thinking that's not from God. Lord, help me get over this. And your prayers are going to start changing as you pray over that topic. The second thing that it does is it fixes our eyes on Christ rather than our circumstances. When we have an inclination to worry, if we allow it to be a call to prayer, it helps us to fix our eyes on Christ rather than on the circumstance or the potentially negative circumstance. When we're so fixated on something that we can't see anything else, that consumes us. Now, we can be consumed by the possibility of disaster and we can just allow ourselves to toss and turn at night, to be miserable all day long, or we can be consumed by Jesus knowing that he is bigger than any problem or obstacle that we'll ever face. So when we're inclined to worry, it's a call to prayer. And it helps me to redirect and to focus my eyes, to fix my eyes on Jesus rather than the circumstance. Jesus is bigger than your circumstance. But when you focus on your circumstance, it seems bigger than Jesus. Praying helps you stop focusing here and fixing your eyes on Jesus. And we realize... We serve a great God. We serve a God who created the heavens and the earth, who has performed miracle after miracle. Why am I spending my time worrying about the possibility of something negative happening in my life when I can focus on all that he has to offer me and the love that he provides for me? Number three, if we turn our inclination to worry into a call to prayer, it reminds me that God loves me And that I can trust that he is still in control. It reminds me that God loves me. And that I can trust that he is still in control. So many times when we focus on the negative possibilities in our lives, we feel isolated and we feel alone. And we feel as if we're going through this by ourselves and there's no hope to be found. That we ourselves have to carry the weight and the pressure of trying to fix things. Of trying to uh, predict an outcome different from what we can't see. And we forget that God loves us. He's not allowing us to go through this alone. He's not causing us to face circumstances by ourselves. And we can trust that no matter what's happening in our lives, he's always in control. He's always in control. 
There is never a moment in your life that God is not in control. We can make bad decisions and we may reap consequences for those decisions that we've sown, but it doesn't mean that he's not in control. And sometimes if we'll learn to fix our eyes on him and remember, be reminded that he loves us, it'll keep us from responding in negative ways to negative possibilities. When you have an inclination to worry, it's a call to prayer. If you worry a lot, you should pray a lot. And the more that you pray, the less you're going to start worrying. And you're going to find that God's love, knowing that he's with you, focusing on Jesus rather than your circumstances, is going to shift how you begin to think. And lastly, number four, it makes you act by faith rather than by sight. An inclination to worry is a call to prayer. You know what that does? It causes you to live your life by faith rather than by sight. Because you can see negativity all around you. You can see disaster on the brink. Every time that you open your eyes, but you can choose to live by faith rather than by sight. You can ignore the possibilities of the negative that consume you. And you can find yourself trusting God so much that you just are convinced. You're so confident that he's in control that you just say, God's got this. God's got this. I don't have to go through this by myself. God's got this. Every time you have an inclination to worry, it's a call to prayer. Now, let's kind of make it a little more practical. We read Matthew Um, chapter 6, we started in verse number 25, and I want to read that verse again, and then I'm going to go back and read some that comes before it. Here's what verse 25 says of Matthew 6. Therefore, anytime you see the word therefore in Scripture, you should ask yourself, what is it therefore? He says, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. Why is he telling us that we should not worry about our life? What is the therefore, therefore? Let's go back and read what's just before this. Let's start in verse number 19 of Matthew chapter 6. Jesus says, Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourself treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eyes, the lamp of the body, if your eyes are good, the whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, the whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? And then here's the statement that he makes just before he says, Therefore, I tell you not to worry. Here it is. No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. There's there's opposing obstacles for our worship that he's referring to here. And here, he's about to make them known to us. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore, don't worry. Money is perhaps the most worried about thought in your life, at least at times. At least at times. Lindsay and I were having uh, dinner together last night. 
We got the, bed, the kids together early, and I grilled some steaks, and we had a little date night there at the house. They missed out, but we had a great time. And we we're talking about this sermon, about worry. So what do you worry about? She's asking me, what do you worry about? You know, she's like, I worry about you. And I'm like, okay, let's change the topic. But I asked the question, I said, do we worry about money? Do we worry about money? And we talked back and forth. We're like, well, sometimes we kind of worry about money, but really it's, it's really rooted in just a desire to have more of it. We don't really worry, you know, if we're going to be able to pay the bills. There's been times that we have. And I said, why, why do you think we don't worry about money? And you know what we landed on? Time after time after time after time after time in our lives together in eight years, we have seen God provide for us when it seemed like there was no way that we were going to make it. And we've just learned God's got this. There's no need for us to dwell on the negative possibilities that money brings into our life. When we begin to worry, it's a call to prayer. God, we've got a need. Now, we don't worry about the basics anymore because God has been so faithful and gracious to us, but there's times where we have to get creative. There's emergencies that, that rise up and we say, we wish we wouldn't have done that and we would have put some money back into an emergency fund. We see the consequences that our handling of money has on the future with regards to money, but there's never a question in our minds, there's never a question if God's going to provide for us. And the reason there's no question is because he's been faithful to always provide for us. I would say that when it comes to this example, and this can translate into every other area of your life, your health, you know, your kids, your job, your relationships, your marriage, this can translate, that when we learn to begin to trust God in that area of our life, there's no need to worry about that area of our life. If we're truly convinced that God is with us, if we're truly convinced that God is our provider, we'll think about money differently. And when it comes to things that the Bible teaches us about money, it's easier for us to take those steps. Things like being generous. Things like saving. It's easy to take those steps when you trust and you live by faith that God's got your best. You know why tithing is so powerful? Because tithing is an act of faith. See, some people think tithing is like a tax. Like the Bible teaches, I've got to give 10% of my money to the church. Really? I've got to give 10% of my... Well, if I've got to give 10% of my money to the church, I guess I'll write a check. I can't believe I've got to, I've got to give 10% of my money to the church. That's not tithing. Tithing is an act of faith. It's saying, I'm going to give the first 10% of my income, of my increase to the Lord, because I trust that he's going to provide for the rest of the month. See, some people, they, they attempt to tithe and they wait to the end of the month and see if they have anything left over and they're like, well, I'll give a part of it to the Lord. And that's great. It's incredible. We're all on a journey. But I learned a long time ago that tithing is an act of faith. 
It's not a, a punishment or a penalty or a tax. And when I can focus on him in this area of my life, and I can realize that God wants my, that money wants my attention, that money wants to be my God, and I refuse to allow it to be, and I just say off the beginning, 10%, Lord, this is yours. Then I've now shifted and fixed my eyes on Christ, and I trust that he's going to provide for the rest. You see how it's an act of faith? Therefore, don't worry. Why do you worry about you, what you going to eat, about, about being clothed? Why do you worry about those necessities unless you just don't trust that God's your provider? But if you truly trust that he's your provider, then you won't worry. An inclination to worry is a call to prayer. I love Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. I'm going to end with this. The Apostle Paul writes to the church at Philippi, and, and these are his words. Do not be anxious about anything. Don't be anxious about anything. So if you're anxious about something, what does that make it? It makes it a sin. If God's Word is telling us not to be anxious about something, and we're living in anxiety, then we need to surrender that anxiety to the Lord and allow Him to free us from that mindset don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. When you have an inclination to be anxious, when you have an inclination to worry, it's a call to prayer. And here's the promise that comes from that, verse 7. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Don't worry. God's in control. Don't be anxious about anything. Rather, in everything, by prayer and petition. Inclination to worry is a call to prayer. With thanksgiving, with a grateful heart, even in difficult circumstances, God, I am grateful that you're still with me, that you're in control, that something good, that in all things, you're working together for the good of those who love you and are called according to your purposes. With a grateful heart, present our requests to God. And then the peace of God, which transcends, which goes beyond, which doesn't make sense. The peace of God will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Peace is something that we want. But true peace isn't something that we want. It's something that even guards our minds. It creates this fortress that doesn't allow anxiety or worry into our minds. When we have true peace, it's a peace that transcends understanding. How do we get it? Every inclination to worry is a call to prayer. With a grateful heart, we present our petitions, our requests to God, and we believe that He is in control. Worry is an attack from the enemy. It has no place with us. We should fix our eyes on Christ rather than our circumstances. We need to be reminded that God loves us and we can trust that he's in control. And we need to learn to act by faith rather than by sight. I'm going to ask the worship team to come and we're going to sing a new song together in just a few moments. 
And as they're coming, I just want to close by asking you, what is it that you worry about? What is it that consumes your mind? What is it that you spend the most time thinking about that hasn't even happened yet, that could potentially happen, that could leave you in a worse place than you're in now? What anxiety consumes your life? Think about it. Get in your head. Is it your kids? Is it finances? What is it? Your health? Your relationships? Your job? So many things that we can worry about. What people, we worry about what people think of us. Worry about what people will say. What do you worry about? And hear the words of Jesus. Stop worrying about it. Hear the words of Paul. Don't be anxious. How do you do that? Every time that you're inclined to worry, every time you feel an anxious emotion begin to grip your heart, it's a call to prayer. You can't overcome it by yourself. But if you'll turn that thought into a prayer, then you'll begin to allow God to move in your life. He'll free you from that thought process. He may change circumstances and he may not, but you can guarantee that he's going to be with you through it. And that in the end, it's all going to work out. Worry does not work. You cannot add a single hour to your life by worrying. You cannot change a circumstance by pondering on the negative outcomes that lie before you. You cannot fix anything by meditating, by sleepless nights, simply thinking of the negative that's coming your way. It does not work, so let's stop doing it. And every time we're inclined to, it's a call to prayer. We cry out to God for help, for mercy, for His grace. And you'll be amazed at the peace of God will consume your life. People will begin to ask you, how are you so calm in the midst of all this? Your world looks like it's upside down. It's because you know, you're confident, you believe in your heart of hearts that God's with you, that he loves you, and that he's got this. That he is absolutely in control at all times, and no matter what happens, he's with us. And it's all going to work out. And when you can live life with that peace, the stress of the worry and the anxiety lifted, there's a joy that you haven't experienced yet that's just waiting to flood your soul. And this morning, I want to pray for you that God would free you from that mindset of worry, that he would help you to see that what's consuming your life is not from him, it's from the enemy. And it's meant to redirect you from experiencing God's best for your life, but it's not going to work. Today, we're putting a stake in the ground and we're going to say, I'm not going to worry. I'm changing my mind. I'm going to stop being held hostage by this unhealthy mindset. So if that's you, you're here today, you say, man, I worry more than you can imagine. Or you say, you know, I do have some anxious thoughts from time to time. Would you just stand to your feet? Just let me pray for you.
We're going to close our time just by praying. All over the room, people are standing. God, you see every life that's represented and you see every potential negative outcome to circumstances that these men and these women and these students and myself are like that we're staring at. When our eyes can only see negative possibilities, we cry to you, O oh God, for help. We beg you, Father, for your grace, for your mercy to rescue us from this mindset that's not from you, to deliver us from the bondage that worry and anxiety has held us captive by. We pray right now for, for every specific worry that's represented in this room, that you would destroy it in this moment. And whether you fix situations, whether you change circumstances, or you simply comfort us with a peace that lets us know that you're with us no matter what happens, may we leave this place changed, having made up our mind that every time that we feel inclined to worry, it's a call to prayer. And we're going to come to you, Father, with those negative thoughts and those negative emotions. And we're going to lay them at your feet. And we're going to believe that they're, they've been crucified with Christ. That the price you paid on Calvary's hill covered those thoughts. You're going to set us free from them. And may the peace of God that transcends all understanding, that doesn't even make sense, may it flood our hearts, may it flood our souls. In Christ Jesus, we bring to you in this moment every request, every petition, everything that we can't get past mentally because we can only see the negative that may come. Would you, Father, help us to trust in you more? And ultimately, may we place our eyes on you. May we understand that every time we worry, it's a sign that we haven't fully trusted you. And may we trust you more and more. And may we declare from this moment forward that we believe that you have our best in mind, that you do love us, that you are in control, and that you're for us, and that you've got this. And we lay these worries at your feet. And we're going to leave them here today. Set us free. In Jesus' precious name. And everybody said, Amen.